welcome aboard. It is the Brodo Fantasy Football Award Show nomination special today featuring none other than the only two twins that are handing out awards to your favorite fantasy football players, Michael and Jason Petrov! Hosted by the Muppets, apparently. <laughs> I, I got into the wrong profession. I should totally be like an award show uh, introducer. Is that a thing? You did a very good job, sir. <laughs> I'm really happy, guys, because today we get to explore the offseason. The offseason is one of the best times to be a fantasy analyst because you lose yourself. Um, but it is time to have some fun with what we've... It's been a really fun year. Like, I think we need to look back and and realize, like, hey, dude, this whole thing could have not happened. It could have just not happened at all. And we had a whole season. We got to week 16. We had a championship. Remember, we were telling you all those provisions, making your league to, like, I remember we had a vote. What if the season doesn't get finished? How are we going to break up the money and divide it and all this stuff? And uh, it's... And here we are. We made it week 16, and it's time to look back. I'm excited. Happy New Year's to everyone. What's up, boys? What up, team? Happy New Year to the folks. I'm ready to hand out some awards. Let's do this. We're we're nominating, guys. We're nominating. We are nominating. We'll go over the rules. It's kind of like we're giving out the award, but then they battle each other out for the main award. You know what I'm saying? Well, uh, you'll know exactly what we're saying because we're about to explain that to you and how the show is going to work in just a second. The Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast begins now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. You think four years in, 16 episodes in, Michael would know that clearing his throat during the intro would still sound like clearing your throat on the microphone. I, yeah, I forgot. I'm sorry. As if, there's not a, as if there's not a mic button, a mute button right there. You know, sometimes, you know, Michael, uh, Michael is one of those people who is very, very intelligent, if you haven't already figured that out about Michael. Sometimes he does the stupidest things. It doesn't make any, any sense. Go yourself, kid. <laughs> um, but today we have the Brodo Award special. So here's how it's going to go. We are each going to nominate someone for 10 different awards. These awards uh, range from fantasy most valuable player uh, to big least valuable player, biggest bust, etc. You'll see the awards as we go on. And we are each going to nominate someone. And then uh, you on Twitter are going to vote for the person that you think should win this award. And we are going to reveal the winners of the Brodo Awards on our Patreon episode next week. Again, if you want to uh, access that, patreon.com slash Fantasy to access um, that and help us out. Please join during the offseason. During the offseason, we have two episodes a week for patrons, not just the one free episode we give out every week um, that we're going to be putting out every week because we are a year-round podcast. If you are here, you are already in the driver's seat for next year. You are already making moves towards a championship next year because you will be the person who is most well-informed throughout the offseason is usually the person who has the most success during the season. So uh, stick around with us. And yes, uh, the awards, baby, we've got them. 
We're here. Follow us at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter in order to a vote for to vote for those awards. Uh, so you'll have an opportunity to pick who wins the awards after me, Michael, and Jason all nominate someone. And now this is not something that we all agreed on. These are nominations that we we all want to win. So it might get a little heated here. And some players will be up for multiple awards. There's no problem with that as well because some players, like uh, I, would, I would think James Robinson is probably someone who's going to be up for multiple awards as uh, he definitely probably won uh, multiple awards for multiple people this season. Uh, don't forget if you won the championship or if you, have to, if you came in last place and you have to buy the belt because <laughs> that's sometimes the last place champion's job, um, partybelts.com is the place to do it. Use the promo code BRODO at checkout and you can customize any championship belt that you want for any league. Put in the promo code BRODO at checkout and you'll get 15% off. It's a big but not bulky belt that's one size fits all, holds beers. Uh, honestly, you can't get any better than that. So partybelts.com again slash uh, I'm sorry, partyballs.com, and when you check out, use the promo code BRODO for 15% off. I've been talking way too long in a row. It was good, guys, so cut me off. You guys never cut, always cut me off, except when I want to be cut off. Cut me off, man. Shut up. Shut <laughs> up, Tim. <laughs> All right, so Michael Michael wins the award for douchiest brother, um, which, is, which is good. good because Jason had that award going for about uh, like six years in a row. So, Michael, you really- <laughs> I did it. I shut the right. <laughs> All right. So let's get into this. I'm very excited, guys. I created new drops. The twins, are not gonna be, the twins are not going to be able to hear the drops, but they did hear the drops in advance, which is a little disappointing because usually I like hearing their grades on the drops and the, their reactions to the drops, but we're going to be doing that. And speaking of that, let's start with the biggest... Which one? Which one do you want to start with? Hmm. Let's start with the rookie of the year. I feel like the rookie of the year is something good to start with because it was their start. Um, the rookie of the year is someone who was a rookie. Really self-explanatory and played fantasy football. So let's get into it. The award for rookie of the year. You're just sitting there all high and mighty in your diaper. If anything, you need me. You're a baby. Just the little babies of the NFL are here and they are... They are here to stay, uh, it seems, for a lot of them. Some really big-time rookie performances. Uh, Michael, why don't you start us off and give us our first nomination of the award show? Gladly will, Tim. My rookie of the year is, I guess, not my first choice. Someone stole my first choice. But I think this guy has a big... uh, A great endorsement. (laughs) He's a a strong rookie of the year choice either way. it's C.D. Lamb of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, the reason had, I chose C.D. Lamb. Ooh. He had a good year, man. He had a good year. Yeah, he's at 892 receiving yards and seven touchdowns on 69 receptions. We know how good he was in the beginning of the year with Dak Prescott. Through his first six games ever, he did not have a single game below wide receiver 43. So he started his season um, as a set-it-and-forget-it type wide receiver three option. Three of those games, he was a top 18 receiver. He had a 79-yard, two-touchdown performance mixed in. Then Dak Prescott got hurt, and we saw a little bit of a downfall with Lamb. Dip. But he's come, he's come on of late again. Um, weeks 9 and 11, he ended his top 25 receiver options. Uh, mixed in there, the f- six weeks besides that, he was really bad. Um, 
less than eight points uh, five times, which obviously is not ideal. But then he's come on again these last two weeks with 17 points and 22 points in the semis and championship right there when you needed him. So even with Andy Dalton, who has been balling out of late now, Andy Dalton looks like he's back to being Andy Dalton again and not some scrub-ass dude off the bench who can't play quarterback. He needed Andy that Dalton. bye week. He needed that bye yeah, week. That bye week he looks like, for them. He looks like he's Andy Dalton again, that serviceable quarterback who can produce numbers in good matchups. And CeeDee Lamb has been a beneficiary of that and has had a very good rookie season at 21 years old. He is going to be a force in this league for a long time. So ROI, CD Lang. I will say this. Um, again, I, I told you guys that we uh, we don't like co- like communicate with each other on who's going to who we want. So like we don't we don't like deal or anything like that. But we give each other who it is in advance um, because we have to not you know overlap. Uh, and I think it's wide receivers all around. If I'm not mistaken, the rookie wide receivers, Jason. Nope. No, it's not. No. Oh, you don't have a rookie wide receiver. Oh, okay. I have the clear winner, Tim. No, I have the clear winner. Let's be let's be clear about that. Um, but it, the rookie wide receivers did not disappoint this year. The, a lot of hype coming out of the draft about these rookie wide receivers, and there was rookie wide receivers everywhere. And the the king of the rookie wide receiver is my rookie of the year. The only answer for rookie of the year, and that is Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is so good that he is about to be the best rookie How to ever do it. A hundred and eleven. He all he needs in week seventeen is hundred eleven yards, and he will have the rookie receiving record. Um, all he all needs is if that's not a lot. <laughs> it's not a lot for him because hey, no he does that. This week either he does that very regularly. Um, after becoming the starter in week three, he only had single digit fantasy points four times in the remaining fourteen weeks of the season. If you look over that same stretch. He went over 20, and this is half PPR. Everything I'm talking about is half PPR. He went over 20 four times in the same stretch, including a absolutely dominating performance of over 30 points, nine for 166, two touchdowns and two two two-point conversions, 79 catches, 1,267 yards, and seven TDs in, in only 14 games, basically, for Justin Jefferson. Finished as the wide receiver seven overall overall wide receiver seven and that's despite the fact that their team did not pass the ball that much and he has another wide receiver on the same team on the same team on the same team who's wide receiver eight so justin jefferson doing things i remember in the first couple years for a couple weeks of the season the vikings offense couldn't pass the ball and everyone was like how could you possibly trade Stefan Diggs? You're never going to replace him. And then by week three, everyone's like, holy crap. Not only did they replace Stefan Diggs, who in his own right had a phenomenal season this year, they replaced him with probably someone better and definitely someone cheaper for the next four or five, however many years that he's in Minnesota. So he lived up to the hype. I I dropped half of my fab on him in week three. I mean, week four after his big breakout, and I never looked back. He was my starter every week since. Uh, that team finished first in points in my league. So that's what he did for a lot of people. And uh, Justin Jefferson, clear, clear number one rookie of the year. Jason, you're up. Yeah. If it was up to me, we would have just skipped you guys because we just spent way too long talking about players not named James Robinson. <laughs> UDFA running back one. I just went back to the week one rankings. James Robinson in week one was the – Expert consensus ranking, running back 43. 
I had him at 39, so I was ahead of the pack, guys. <laughs> the point is, this guy is an undrafted rookie. Nobody expecting anything from him. Leonard Fournette went down. Everyone talking about Osgibo, Ogbenwale, whoever the F else was on the Jaguars. James Robinson comes out, balls out. I don't care that he wasn't around for week 16. That's literally the only knock you could say about the guy. He was a top 25 running back every single week except for one after week one. Like, that is a ridiculous statement. This guy was a running back one all season. He ended as a top seven running back in PPR. He's the rookie of the year. There's no disputing it. I don't need to say more than that. You guys are wrong. James Robinson is the answer. You didn't even have to draft him. I See, for me, James Robinson is the answer in a lot of these, but rookie of the year is not it. Ridiculous statement. I don't what? know with him. 1,400 yards, 10, 10 touchdowns. touchdowns. On an awful team, too. Nobody else on his team was useful. 49 receptions. Very true. The only useful player on his team. And I would vote for him for a lot of awards. I just think Justin Jefferson is the best rookie. Seven top 12 finishes. Because he was on your team and you're biased. That may That's that true. may be the case, but I'm biased on this whole list because I'm picking. We've come to realize him. Tim is a very biased human when it comes to choosing players of his team. But that that's that is completely bullshit. <laughs> I'm totally Tim not. Just, Tim just falls in love with his team, and it's about it. It's all right. Yo, it's all right, I man. fell in love with my team this year, and then I led the league in, in points. There's a reason why it's I was right, in love man. with my Jay, team. Jay, remember, the answer. It's all right. Jay, remember okay. after our home league draft when Tim got Josh Jacobs, and then he could not stop rampaging about Josh Jacobs for the next two weeks. <laughs> I mean. Uh, what what did Josh Jacobs do week one again? It's because you drafted Josh. Hold Jacobs. on, hold on, hold on. But what what did Josh Jacobs do week one again? Oh, oh, this that's was right. Prior to week three one, three touchdowns. Idiot. I know that. So what what do you mean? I was I was I tried rampaging warning you guys about Josh Jacobs. I tried. I was rampaging about Josh Jacobs because I was right. The, the next two were, weeks, the fuck are you clearly, talking about? What are you talking about? Full season, you were not right about Josh Jacobs. I, my my opinion changed no, about Josh Jacobs. You guys are ridiculous. I know the answer is James Robinson. That's the whole point of this. James Robinson wins. Let's go to the next one. Yeah, we should. Michael Michael's is a hater. Uh, all right, let's go to the let's go to this one. This Don't one is, is 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 close to my heart right here, man. This is the biggest what if. Okay, the biggest what if is what if something had changed? What if something was different? There's so many answers to this one. So many answers to this one. But let's get into it. Take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Jason, let's take the red pill. How deep does your rabbit hole go with your what if player? Uh, I A little deep, I guess. I don't think it's the boldest statement, but it's just someone that I really had high hopes for this year. My what if player is Debo Samuel. Debo. And it has a, it has a lot to do with the team that he's on, the p- person that replaced him. And what he did when he was on the field this year. Debo, first of all, you got him at an insane discount because of his injury early in the year. You knew you weren't going to get him until week four when you drafted him, something around that. And you expected a wide receiver two coming out of it. And even though he played hurt at times this season, it, for the mo- for the main chunk of his games, he was always a wide receiver three or better. He had two wide receiver 14 or better finishes in the middle of the year when he was... At his healthiest, it's just a matter of 
um, health with Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk stepped into that role and became a wide receiver one. Debo Samuel saw at least eight targets in half the games he played this season, and two of those games don't count because he got injured or he was returning from injury. The real question is how high was Debo Samuel's ceiling this year? And I think that now for next year, it may be even lessened because of how good Brandon Ayuk played, because Jalen Hurd might come back, uh, because George Kittle is going to be healthy. Who knows who the quarterback is going to be if they move on from Jimmy G. A lot of people think they're going to. I, I don't see that happening. It's Carson. too much money on the books. Carson Wentz. But yeah, whatever you say, Tim. Uh, I just think that this even goes beyond this year, perhaps. Debo Samuel had a chance to be a wide receiver one and really run shit for the 49ers, and it looked like he was able to at times this season. He had a 13-target, 11-catch game, but it just never came to fruition because of injuries. And I think that Debo is my biggest what-if. Uh, it's a good one. It's a good one. A lot of what-if players, man. A lot of what-if players uh, in this league. Michael, who's your what-if? Yeah, my what-if player is a player that I ended up being right about by by rostering zero shares of this guy um, throughout the entire season. But honestly, it wasn't because of his play on the field. It was because he just could not see the field for the vast majority of the year, and that's Kenny Galladay. Yeah, man. Big one. In the four full games that he played in, he put up either 100 yards or a touchdown in all of them. And that's just four games that he was able to finish. Otherwise, he played one half against Indy where he didn't do anything and then did not play the rest of the season. Uh, the Lions obviously looked a lot worse on offense without Kenny Galladay. This was Mega uh, Babytron's year to uh, explode onto the scene. He had the high ADP. And he just couldn't stay healthy. At this point, it just seems like he is just waiting to hit free agency, honestly. Because um, it didn't seem like the injury was... The, the new injury in week eight was going to keep him out for this long. But he just kept getting pushed back and back and back. And now he's out the he's out this week too. And that's his season. It's going to be interesting to see how he gets paid. Or who pays him this offseason. But if he was healthy all year, we could be talking about a guy who ended up as a top 10 receiver. But instead, we're talking about a guy who played four games and you likely just had him on your bench the rest of the season. Holiday is going to be an interesting muckalucka heading into next year, depending on what team he ends up on, how healthy he is. There's a lot of question marks around that guy. He could Jets be a should go after deal or a, or a bust again. It's an interesting player, that Galladay. Any Galladay on the Jets across from Denzel Mims? That would Sign be, me up. That would be very nice. Um, I think... Right off the bat, like something, someone that I thought of was Dak Prescott, because not only would Dak Prescott be um, good himself, definitely a QB one, uh, but he also had such a, a ripple effect on everyone else. Like, how good could Amari Cooper have been? How good could C.D. Lamb have been? How how good could Michael Gallup even have been? How good could Dalton Schultz have been? How good could Zeke even have been? Um, so there's so many ripple effects. But the guy that I want to nominate is Will Fuller because all everything that we knew about Will Fuller was what if I remember the twins, the twins um, thoughts on Will Fuller in the draft were, look, if you're drafting this guy, he's a good value wherever you're drafting him because you're paying the injury price and he's always going to be ranked higher than where you draft him. And they were correct. And he was completely healthy except for week two against Baltimore where he went out at halftime, but came back only scored single digits one time, one time, in 12 weeks, uh, 
outside of that. So in the donut where weeks, he kind of got hurt the, in game. Right, that was week two. But besides that, only one uh, single-digit performance in half PPR. And right before he got caught for steroids, he put up a 32-point game against Detroit in which he caught six balls for 171 yards and two touchdowns. Everyone was just so excited if they're a Wolf Fuller manager of this is finally the guy. He's finally healthy. I could finally bank on Will Fuller being my guy this season. I got a great value. And then all of a sudden his season again in Will Fuller fashion comes to a screeching halt. And this is the third year in a row where we just are left wondering, what if Will Fuller was healthy? This year is a little different because it was it was a steroid suspension. But we are left with that what-if question all the time about Will Fuller. And here's just another uh, thing. So I think this is like a conglomerating what-if. You know how sometimes MVPs win MVPs not just because of what they did that year, but what they've been doing? I think that's what we're looking at here. It's like he deserves what-if because it's just been what-if three years in a row. And it's just like, ah, my God. What if Will I'll tell Fuller you one was, thing. was finally That's happy. a dumbass reasoning. <laughs> I drafted. He was, he was I drafted. Yours is the worst one for sure, because Devo Samuel at his at his ceiling was like is like wide receiver eleven. I think Michael's the winner on this one, honestly. You're bugging. You saw what Brandon Ayuk did. Yeah, I did. I don't know, man. Will Fuller though, it, that shit hurt me so bad in the serious league that I did, the fourteen teamer. I drafted Will Fuller in like the sixth round, and he was a wide receiver one for me. And then in like week ten, he's like later, dudes. It was very upsetting. I hear you, bro. I, I, I had, my dynasty team hit got hit with that. My Brodo League team got hit with that. I didn't win another game in my Brodo League team. He was carrying me. Would um, you rather the Jets sign Will Fuller or Kenny Galladay? Galladay. They both have injury concerns. I think Galladay. Fuller cheaper. I want the, nah, I want the guy who... Bit more. Just saying. He will I want be, the guy who's going to uh, just be there for uh, Sam Darnold to just throw the ball high in the air. I think Mims <laughs> is that guy, though. More than Galladay. Yeah, if you have two of them, fucking sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what we, we want a field stretcher with that too, though. You know, I think Will Fuller would be a nice Fuller on the outside, then Mims is the possession guy, and then Crowder in the slot. We're, we're talking nice right there. All right, speaking of nice, our next one is clutch performer of the year. This is a guy who took his game to the next level in week 14, 15, and 16 and helped you win a championship. The next one, Clutch Performer of the Year. The crowd on its feet here at the Air Canada Center. Lynn puts it up. Bang! Jeremy Lynn from downtown! And the Knicks take the lead! Yep, that's right. I just played a Lynn Sanity clip because I want to relive that because it's my only good memory as a basketball fan in my entire life. Um, my clutch performer, I want to go first on this one, is Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs was, look, he was good all year long. He did have some games, a little bit of ups and downs every once in a while, but for the most part, Stefan Diggs was a consistent force for your lineup with a much-improved Josh Allen, who might be up for some awards later today. But he took his game to the next level in Week 14, 15, and 16. He only scored a game higher than his individual points scored in 14, 15, or 16 one time during the regular season. Three out of his four best games were Week 14, 15, and 16, and they came in matchups in which it wasn't supposed to happen. Pittsburgh, 
25th against the wide receiver in fantasy points per game. Denver, 20th against the wide receiver in fantasy points per game. New England, 22nd in fantasy points. And when I say this, it's rankings like this, they've given up the 22nd least points. So they're flipped that around 10th best or 11th best. All right, so... That's what we're talking about. We're talking about against great fantasy defenses. He still performed, including last week, with a nine-catch, 145 yards, and three-touchdown performance that literally took you to a championship. If you had Stefan Diggs and Alvin Kamara, you did not need anyone else last week. It was just them two could have probably beat 75% of other teams. Um, and there it is. Stefan Diggs took his game to the next level. Stefan Diggs is my nominee for clutch performer and really the winner. Let's just be honest. Michael, who's your nominee? Yeah, uh, shout out to Stefan Diggs, who absolutely won people uh, championship games last week with that ridiculous week 16 performance. Um, he actually won one of our patrons a league in patron league two. He needed 17 points from Diggs and Diggs, I think, doubled that. More so, than that, more than double. Shout out to him. Uh, my playoff hero, I had to bite my tongue and just do it and not hate the idea that I was doing it. But it's David Montgomery. <laughs> yes. Yes, Michael. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing really to say here besides David Montgomery was absolutely a big time playoff performer. I was wrong about him. What are you going to do to his life? Dating back to week 12, even the guy's been an absolute monster. His lowest performance was actually week 16, and week 16, he still put up 19.10 fantasy points. Happy I think he was the number one overall scorer over the last five weeks, but uh, most importantly, in the playoffs, the dude put up 73 points through three weeks. Uh, these are some of his best games ever throughout his young career. I think this is going to lead to him being very much overdrafted next year, so I'm likely not going to be on the David Montgomery train once again. But either way, if you did have him this year and made the playoffs or traded for him late, it likely ended up working out for you because he's been absolutely balling out and had a huge playoff stretch. Facts, facts. Those are two. Those are two very, very good ones. I, I in one of the, in the teacher charity league I played for, um, I, 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 uh, what do you call it? Auctioned off my first pick, and someone picked me David Montgomery as the auction pick. And I was like, oh, damn, how am I going to win a championship with David Montgomery? And then I ended up going to the playoffs, and he was a very big help in me. I didn't win the championship in that league, unfortunately, but I got really close. Um, Jason. Yeah, I took a slightly different approach than you guys. Those are guys that you were starting no matter what. So, like, I see how they won you your leagues. But I wanted to go a little bit deeper and pick someone that you may not have started. Um, That's someone that you didn't expect that type of production from and delivered anyway. So my playoff hero... Believe it or not, is J.D. McKissick. The guy was a stud, just a straight-up stud. If you had Antonio Gibson you lost him and you had J.D. McKissick as his replacement, you didn't miss a beat. Over the last three weeks, J.D. McKissick and half PPR was running back 23, 9, and 8. He saw 24 targets in those three games, almost 30 rushes. This guy just became basically a workhorse uh, when Antonio Gibson went down. And then when Gibson even returned in week 16, McKissick still saw 10 targets and put up 19 fantasy points. The best thing about J.D. McKissick is that he was probably someone you're plugging into your lineup as a flex or an RB2 while your main guys were still available and producing for you. So you could have had David Montgomery, you could have had Stephon Diggs, but then you also had J.D. McKissick to give you that extra that extra oomph on your team. Uh, I know I'm probably not going to win this one, 
because he didn't perform as well as Diggs or Montgomery. But he put up a shitload of points in a spot where you may not have expected it. And I want to show some love to that. So I think J.D. McKissick is the unsung hero of the playoffs. I like it, Jason. I like I like that approach. You're still a dick overall as a human being, but I like yeah. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Giant asshole. <laughs> um, let's get to our next one. This one's the best team award. So what do you what do you mean by best team? Like, isn't that the guy that wins the Super Bowl? No, it's not. It's the team that came through for you in fantasy. The team that you can count on. The team that you can rely on. This is the award for best team. I had to finish that one off with like the little 90s outro. Shout out to Steve Urkel. Um, (laughs) Jason, who's your best team? You go, wow, this one might surprise some people, but I'm going for it because at the end of the day, if you look at these teams, it's hard to pick a team that exceeded at every position. You think of the Chiefs, well, running back wasn't where you'd like it to be. You think of the uh, the Packers are a pretty good option. I'm not going to lie to you. Even though Aaron Jones kind of was not Aaron Jones this year. He had a Let's lot of... Let's stop to shut your teams. mouth and say the team. team. Jeez, <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings. I like that. This team produced a lot of studs. Dalvin Cook, RB1. Overall, probably. I'm not sure. I'm not looking at the numbers right nah, now, but uh, I'm pretty sure. Kamara, Kamara, six touchdowns uh, in week oh, 16. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Kamara's 60 point game leaped him yeah. above Cook. Who yeah. would have guessed? <laughs> um, so RB2 on the year, we can't talk. Like, we know how good Dalvin Cook is. But then if you look on the outside as well, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, constant wide receiver ones and twos this year, which also resulted in Kirk Cousins ending the year as a quarterback one. So if you look around, this team had an RB1, a QB1, a wide receiver one, a wide receiver two. The only questionable position was tight end. But even there, when it was just Kyle Rudolph and Smith was out, Rudolph was a tight end one. When it was just Irv Smith, he was basically a tight end one most of the time. And then in the championship week, if you trusted Irv Smith, like I, Michael was a big proponent of Smith's championship week. I've liked him all year. He scored two touchdowns. So, mean, so even though it wasn't necessarily a tight end one on the team, there were times where they produced like a tight end one. And it's hard to find a team where you could check all of those boxes anyway. So I think the Vikings were the team of the year. They produced studs. They're a funnel offense, and it was great for fantasy rosters. I considered the Vikings, Jay, so I do think I, that's a good pick. I also Herb Smith championship it. week, though, I had him at tight end 12. Expert consensus ranking was tight end 22. We said it was a joke on the podcast. It ended up being a joke. A big joke. He had a good game, I'm guessing. Yes, he had two touchdowns on like fifty yards. Boom, boom. Um, yeah, that's uh, that that's a team I also considered. Good, good choice, Jason. Michael, you're up. Stop making weird faces. Yeah. I'm going to choose the team that Jason decided was a better option right before he said his team. <laughs> the Green Bay Packers. I didn't even realize you picked them. Aaron Rodgers, top five quarterback. Aaron Jones, top five running back. Devontae oh. Adams, number one receiver. Robert Tunyon, top five tight end. MVS, 
random dart throw who could win you weeks. Alan Lazard, a, a few decent weeks. Jamal Williams, several decent weeks, even with Aaron Jones on the field. That team was a team to target if you were looking for a big game or just in the draft, a big player because Aaron Jones is a monster. Devontae Adams is a monster. Aaron Rodgers has been an absolute monster. Dude has 44 passing touchdowns. And even the secondary options have been uh, decent throughout the year. And Robert Tunyon came on to be a top five, set it and forget it, starting tight end. So for me, it's the Packers because they're just chock full of highly valuable fantasy pieces all around. I see you with your Packers, Michael. Here's why I'm not going to... I don't like the Packers because you said like this person could give you this performance at a a time. This person could give you that performance at a time. I'm not interested in this and that. I'm not interested in it. I want, I want a funnel. Give us a shitty ass pick. I want a funnel offense. I want the true throw value King. I I want Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill. You win. You win. QB seven. A.J. Brown, wide receiver 14, just missed out on being wide receiver 1. Corey Davis, wide receiver 32. Derrick Henry, RB3. Jonu Smith, tight end 9. And this is a funnel offense where those were the players that were getting it done. Maybe Jack Conklin had one good game. That's it. Jack Conklin had one good game. But besides that... talking about... Are you, what are you talking about? You're, you're, are you talking about Tyler Conklin on the Vikings? Tyler, Tyler, Tyler. No, no. <laughs> Huh? Jack Conklin is an offensive lineman, Tim. What are you I, saying? What am I saying? Who's the who's the back? Oh, Ferkser. I'm bugging. Ferkser I'm, I'm already there. out of. I'm already out of the fucking loop. Um, Anthony Ferkser had like a good game or two. That's it. That's the only time something that you did not expect to happen for the Titans didn't happen. And the best part about the Titans is Derrick Henry could have 230 yards and Ryan Tannehill could still have a great game. Ryan Tannehill could throw for four touchdowns and Derrick Henry could still have a great game. A.J. Brown could be good and Corey Davis could be good. This was a team that spread the love and it was all to the same people. So the Tennessee Titans and the true throw value king, Ryan Tannehill. I also told you guys that championship week, John U. Smith was a good play and he caught a touchdown. You did. You did. You said two values, that. man. Once his targets go up, he's gonna find the end zone. It's, That's just what happens. I'm, Jason, I, what can I say? I agree with you, and you're making a great point. Tennessee Titans for team of the year. I can't argue against the Titans. Tannehill's my boy. Yeah, Jason. Jason, Tim, did you suit. check out my? Did you check out my updated Twitter bio? No. <laughs> um, I got rid of on SoundCloud and iTunes because that's self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. So I made room for, at the end, Ryan Tannehill's number one fan. <laughs> nice. I like it. Um, that's a good That's a good uh, person to stick your hat on, which we do here all the time. Um, Ryan Tannehill was a, best, was a really good value. Right now, we're going to go into our best value pick. The best value pick is someone who outperformed ADP by a long shot and gave you someone that you did not expect to get out of the slot that you drafted him. Best value pick, coming up now. that we are inadequate our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure it is our light not our darkness that most frightens us and as we let our own light shine we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same as we are liberated from our own fear our presence automatically liberates others sir i just want to say thank you you saved my life Sir, I just want to. Oh man, I almost got. I almost didn't make a mistake, and I just made a mistake. Uh, sir, I just want to thank you. You saved my life. 
you are the best value pick for me. Michael, who's your best value pick? Uh, my best value pick should come as no surprise if you listen to us in the preseason or read my articles because I just went back to the My Guys Part 3. I did a four-part My Guys series, and they actually there's a lot of nice hits in here, yo. So you guys should totally check those out next year and join uh, patreon.com slash brotofantasy for the full list. Um, I put five of the ten for each part on the site and the rest was for patrons only. But for me, it was Justin Jefferson. He was going at ADP of wide receiver 49. I wrote in uh, the, the uh, little blurb for him. I said, I like Justin Jefferson a lot at ADP. Um, he should be used across all the formation. He's six, one fast. And Kubiak said, he's already going to play inside quite a bit. And I'm not buying into Olabisi Johnson, which was always a joke. I don't know why people thought Olabisi Johnson was actually going to like, Get serious burn. I had a roll. Yeah, my bad. Uh, I said basically, I said I'm drafting Justin Jefferson all day at wide receiver 49, and I hope you guys did too because, hot damn, Justin Jefferson has been an absolute monster. He is going to be a force in this league for years and years and years. Um, and this season he was a big time factor because he was the guy. If you decided to get a whole bunch of running backs early, he was the guy who saved your wide receiver position. Or even if you didn't, if you just you dealt with injuries and things of that sort, no matter what, if you had Justin Jefferson, he ended up being a great pick for you. So he is my value pick of the year because, man, oh, man, you don't see that type of potential out of a 10th, 11th round pick very often. Yeah, we talked about Justin Jefferson, how much I, I love that guy. Uh, mine is going to be Josh Allen. Josh Allen, you picked him anywhere within, I would say, round 7 through 10. It was He was a very... He was a very uh, push and pull kind of player this offseason. No one really know, knew where to go. But if you drafted your quarterback in that round and it was Josh Allen, you started the year off hot and then you ended the year off hot because Josh Allen absolutely balled the fuck out. If I were to tell you in the offseason that Josh Allen was going to have 4,320 passing yards, 34 passing touchdowns, and nine interceptions, most people would laugh at me in my face. On top of that, 418 rushing yards, 8 rushing TDs. And let's not forget, he caught a TD. He caught one. Just for the fuck of it. He is, Why he not? Was, he is the number 2 QB on the season. Number 3 QB, excuse me, on the season. And you got him in round 7 through 10. He completely smashed his ADP. He was the type of guy who you're like, all right, maybe I'll get this guy. He has a nice rushing floor and I could stream quarterbacks in bad matchups. But it ends up that especially in week 16 and week 15 when you really needed him to come out. He comes out and straight up, straight up destroys the Patriots. It felt like a changing of the guard, it, that, that destruction that the Bills put on the Patriots uh, on Monday night. And he is part of that changing of the guard. Josh Allen, a guy who I've loved since he came out of college, uh, but no, I don't think anyone saw this type of season coming from him. Uh, the sky's the limit for Josh Allen. He was the best value pick for me. Jason. Who's your best value pick? The unsung workhorse. It could have been a lot better if he didn't get injured, but he's still provided insane value throughout the season. Miles Gaskin. Yes. A guy that no one expected to be a studly dudley. Brian Flores, thank you for being an old school coach who uses one running back. We look forward to knowing who that running back is next year, whether it be Miles Gaskin or someone else. Because we know that they're going to be a workhorse, and it's going to bring a lot of fun. And that's what it brought Miles Gaskins here. A lot of fun. 
he finished as a top um, top nine running back three out of the eight games he played. He was a top 25 running back most of the other time. This guy was seeing at least 20 touches a game when he was the workhorse. And then, of course, championship week, he put up 31 fantasy points, which if Alvin Kamara didn't put up fucking 62 fantasy points, 55. Gaskin probably would have been the RB1 any other week. But Gaskin came back from injury for teams and absolutely destroyed it and possibly led you to a championship. And even before that, he was playing extremely well. Any time he was on the field, my draft value of the year, someone who was barely even being drafted, Miles Gaskin. Man, those can't, are, those are... can't argue with uh, with Miles Gaskin either. Can't He's, argue uh, with any of those. those oh, especially championship weekend. Hot damn, did he just go in? I did, man. That's a tough one. If I was a voter, I'd be I'd be like actually like tough. Um, we've got four more awards for you guys. Um, let's go over to the steaming streamer. The steaming streamer is the person who was on and off the waiver wire all year, um, and someone who was just always there when you needed him to be there. I'll be around whenever you call me as a waiver wire. Whenever you call me on the waiver wire, the streaming, the steaming streamer. I'm gonna tell you what, guys. The reason why I picked this guy is not only because he was a great streamer, uh oh, but because he has the best nickname in the game. Mm-hmm. It's the bee's knees. Another guy who was in my My Guys article. So, his knees, baby. So much I, disrespect because he doesn't look like your typical fantasy producer. But this season, he did nothing but produce, particularly at the end when he put up big games. But the fact that he didn't put up giant games kept him available for you during your time of need. Even in his big game, 22 points against Arizona, the bye week happened. So he was still on waiver wires. If you picked him up later, he had some, he had one game of 6.6 or maybe like, oh, this is not the guy. Cole Beasley, anytime you needed a receiver, was usually on your waiver wire and could pick him up. Even now, only 74% rostered, even now. So, uh, as someone you could pick up and drop and pick up and drop, uh, the Steven Streamer, no one was as consistent and as reliable as the Bees Knees himself, who ended up actually finishing his wide receiver 22 and half PPR formats on the season. Uh, Cole Beasley is my nominee for a Steven Streamer. How do we go about arguing that Cole Beasley played himself out of the Streamer conversation? I mean, that's, 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 that's it's, it's legit at the yes end. Yes, it is. At the end, he did, but but the reason why I'm saying that he that he didn't is because at the end, right when you thought he was like good to go, he had that 22 point game and then a buy, so, so probably some drops there, and then after the buy, an eight point three point game, which you know doesn't excite people, and then he had another 23, you could pick him up, but then he had six point six, so he he didn't. At the end, it wasn't as consistent, even though he's thought of in higher regard. He ended on Yahoo as 74 percent rostered, so at the end there. It is a little questionable. 
but he definitely started as a streaming option. Listen, if you thought I was going to end the year without screaming bees knees at Jason, you're wilding. So yeah, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I'm gonna go next since you called me out because I'm rolling with the motherfucking Esquire, Jeffrey Wilson. Nice. You want to talk about streamer? This guy was the streamer. Like there was only a handful of times you used him this season. There were probably three. Three four, four times, four, four t- times. I'd say last, four times, but he came through three times. The past two weeks, and then two times before that, right. where we were like, "Yo, Jeff Wilson is the guy this week. Start him." He put up twenty fantasy points in week three, thirty-one fantasy points in week seven, twelve fantasy points in week fifteen. So even that disappointing in air quotes one, he put up twelve fantasy points. Yeah, and you were probably starting him as a flex or RB two or three. So not really a disappointment. And then championship week. 27 points running back five and half PPR. This guy was picked up four times this year, produced as a top 10, top nine running back three of those times. If there was the definition of a streamer, it would be someone who you pick up four times, get an RB3 and two RB and three RB1 weeks out of. That is a streamer. You picked up an RB1 four times this year. It's Jeff Wilson, streamer of the year. Yeah, he to, he certainly has a viable uh hard to argue that one. He's a viable option here. I'm not yeah, gonna hard yeah. to argue that one. Jeffrey Wilson's a monster. Uh well I'm gonna end it off here with someone who is over fifty percent owned at the moment, rostered, but not nearly as much as Cole Beasley. He's sixty three percent rostered. Curtis Samuel. Okay. Curtis Samuel started the season slow, wasn't really rostered, and then absolutely went off after he missed the game against Chicago. Starting week seven, this dude in seven of nine games was an absolute must start. He had four top 12 finishes over his last nine games. Wow. He was a wide receiver one hiding out as a flex play because no one wanted to believe in it. Since week seven, he was wider in half PPR, was wide receiver 22, six, seven, down game 74, 10, 32, 23, 57, where he had seven fantasy points, so it wasn't the worst. And then wide receiver, 12. He even had 52 rushing yards on seven attempts last week against Washington on top of 100 receiving yards. Curtis Samuel transformed himself into an absolute beast over the second half of the season, and nobody wanted really to believe it because he was widely available every year. He was always part of our uh, our list of players to go add if they were still available Um, during our patron podcast since he was too owned to be on the fantasy pros list. If you were picking up Curtis Samuel, especially the second half of the year, the dude was just balling out and still isn't getting the, uh, the love that he deserves. Like we had him at like wide receiver 14 and people were like, why do you have Curtis Samuel so high? We're like, because that's, that's who he is right now. And he ended as wide receiver 12 week 16. So, I mean, that's Curtis Samuel just been balling out, but not getting nearly the amount of love he deserves for it. And a PSAL product, which is the like New York City way better. School Athletic League. Yeah, shout out that New York City. And he's way better than Robbie Anderson through the last nine or ten weeks of the season, too, which nobody either doesn't, they don't know, or they just don't want to admit it. Probably both. Yeah, shout out Samuel. Yeah, I think I'm in last place on this one. Colby's dead, I think, was a little bit too much. Um, but... I think Cole Beasley would have been good for this award that we got coming up. This this one is the waiver warrior. This guy 
it was not on and off the waivers. It was someone you picked up from waivers and then led your team to victory. That was his job. Victory. And you, Arcadian, what is your profession? Sculptor, sir. Spartans! What is your profession? Oh! 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 Yes, I'm gonna start yes, my Sparta. I'm gonna start my waiver warrior. Um because I think that's it's super important that we talk about this guy, because this guy is going to be up for other awards and has already been up for an award. My waiver warrior is the clear answer, and that's James Robinson. And I'm going to tell you why it's James Robinson. James Robinson was not drafted. Let's go back into the the wishing well. If you drafted around week two of the preseason, well, quote-unquote preseason, or week three of the preseason, you might have still been drafting Leonard Fournette in the fourth or fifth round. If you drafted after that, you might have said, oh, we got we to gotta pick up Chris Thompson. Maybe we should take a shot on Devon Azigbo. No one even knew who James Robinson was. An undrafted free agent. There was no reason to know who he was. Then the news came through. And if your league, if you won the waiver wire of your league before your league even started, you probably had to get this guy. And he started with a bang and finished with an absolute bang. James Robinson was the waiver warrior of the year because he came through and not only not only was a, a piece of your team, but was your team. James Robinson, waiver wire warrior. Yeah, uh, can't argue that. Uh, the only gripe I have about placing him in the waiver wire warrior is that if you drafted on Labor Day weekend, which is kind of draft weekend for most people, he was likely being drafted late. So he may not have started the season on the waiver wire, but I do know he was probably on the waiver wire in about 50% of leagues going into the season, if I had to make a guess. So... Just throwing that out there. Maybe he was a little too drafted. Nah, no way. Because people were know, what do you, what do people you were drafting that? Thompson and Ozigbo over him, bro. That he I'll was, give it he to, was. I'll give it to Tim. Yeah, he was a uh, outside. Okay. He was okay. an outside hail mary even then. All right, uh, my waiver wire warrior here goes to possibly the best rookie quarterback of all time, Justin Herbert. This guy has surpassed 4,000 passing yards. He has more passing yards than Russell Wilson, and he's 20 passing wow. yards behind Aaron Rodgers on the season. Holy shit. He has 28 passing touchdowns, which is a rookie record with one game left to go. Has absolutely balled out, and that's Justin Herbert. If you picked him up after Tyrod Taylor got stabbed by his team doctor, who the Chargers probably paid to do that, it seems. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm joking. Don't. Don't believe me, guys. Way to make I that. Go to jail. Way to I don't want to go to jail. Way to make that offer <laughs> awkward as fuck, Michael. So, I know. Well, well that done. Was, that was the point. What the fuck is happening? Doctors don't stab lungs on purpose, Jay. That's what's Shut happening. up and anyway, speak. Justin Herbert. The dude has been an absolute monster all season, and you picked up a QB1 uh, right when Tyrod Taylor went down. Uh, he He's kind of fell off a little bit here at the end of the year, which is odd. I feel like he's just he's trying to force Austin Eckler into the game plan a little too much, and then... Keenan Allen has also been dealing with injuries a little bit. But either way, he's still been highly useful. He has one game all season under 16 fantasy points. So even in his bad games, 
who is still decent. Like 16, 17 fantasy points isn't terrible. Um, he also had some huge games. He had four games over 28 fantasy points. So, I mean, Justin Herbert's just been an absolute monster. Four rushing touchdowns to boot. He is someone I'm likely going to be drafting a lot next season because he looks like he is a certified star. Um, yeah, Justin Herbert, certified star. You know what else is certified? Jason just texted the group chat. Yo, guys, <laughs> I have to take, I have to shit real bad. Can we pause real quick? Sorry. Yeah, so, that's what's happening. Thanks uh, for telling everyone. In your in your <laughs> world, nothing's gonna change, but it, just know that in real life, Jason took a shit, and now he's back, Ayo. feeling real refreshed. I'm sure everyone is happy to hear that. Through the magic of editing, that took no time at all. But Jason just took a fucking wild giant shit, guys. We were been waiting we for just, like talk about football. I made my wife tea. I made myself avocado toast and ate it. And Jason ha- <laughs> and and that's how long it took Jason to get here. I just wanted to put, Easy put it out there. Process those two things. <laughs> Go ahead, Jason. You're up. I want to give an honorable mention before I tell my other guy. The honorable mention. Shout out Young Hoi Koo. The star who's playing 15 points a game. If you got him as your kicker, you did not have to worry about kicker all season. So shout out that guy. But my actual waiver wire star is Brandon Ayuk. We already talked about a lot of rookie wide receivers, but Brandon Ayuk was just as impressive as many of them. He was a bona fide wide receiver one at the end of the year. Before shitting the bed in week 16, in PPR, he was starting from week eight, wide receiver eight, 16, 12, 12, nine. Like that's a wide receiver one right there. And there were top 20, top 30 weeks before that as well. This guy was week in and week out producing. Uh, he earned the trust of people to actually be in lineup. So it's not like he was doing that without actually helping the teams around him. Kind of like how Nelson Aguilar had a lot of blow up weeks where he actually wasn't actually helping anyone. Brandon Ayuk was actually helping teams when he was on the field and he was a he was a star i think he's the waiver wire pickup of the year i mean it's a good pickup one of the guys that i loved uh early on they compared him to julio jones coming out i'm like all right kyle shanahan says this guy can be julio jones sign me up i'm all over i'm all about it um let's go to the next one real quick though i actually uh swapped in curtis samuel for nelson aguilar and jason also shout out nelson aguilar so that's interesting all right. Um, let's go to let's start getting negative. What do you guys say? No been negative enough. Let's go to the biggest bust. A bust is someone who just straight up did not do what you expected them to do. Um, this one is not injuries. All right. Injuries is not bust. This is just someone who completely shit the bed and let you down big time. Who's the biggest bust? Football is still fun. Uh, yes. Sir. Yes. No. No. Sir. sir uh, well, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? Uh, no, not by No, not, it's no. not fun anymore. No. Not even a little bit. Uh, no. Make up your mind. No, no. Think. Since you're thinking now, go on. Think. No, is no. it fun? No, sir. No. No, sir. Absolutely not? Zero fun, sir. I love that scene from uh, Remember the Titans. One of the best things. Who made fantasy football not fun for you this year, Michael? Well, I wouldn't say not fun. Okay, fantasy football is always fun. Fantasy football, just fantasy football, just more aggravating. The biggest bust for me, I honestly, I don't see how you guys even come close to this because he wasn't a top three round pick, but he was a fourth, fifth round pick, and ended up being absolutely useless. And that's Mark Ingram. 
Mark Ingram was an absolute joke of a fantasy player this year. Unfortunately, he week two, he put up 14.7 points. Week four, 10.2 points because he scored touchdowns in those games. Besides that, he did not have a single game over 5.7. And that was one game that he had 5.7. Other than that, he did not have a single game where he put up over four. So he was absolutely useless from the jump. Um, down the stretch, he ended up not even playing for Baltimore. hes I don't even know if he's going to make the damn playoff roster at this point. Probably not. Since they stopped handing him the ball, the offense has been much more efficient. Yeah, and this is a guy who had 1,000 rushing yards, 10 rushing touchdowns, 5 receiving touchdowns last year. He is going to end the season, assuming he doesn't play Week 17 again since he's been a healthy scratch, with 260 rushing yards. Six receptions, 50 yards, and two touchdowns rushing. That's 310 total yards, six receptions, and two touchdowns for a fourth slash fifth round pick in Mark Ingram. I think it's going to be, and this wasn't even because of injury. That's the that's the kicker here. He, he Even if he got hurt, at least you'd be able to say, oh, he got hurt, so what are you going to do? He didn't even get hurt. He just straight up lost his job to Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. So for me, I think it's... Good luck trying to beat Mark Ingram because I think it's clearly Mark Ingram. Jason, give me your best shot. Yeah, I'll give him my best shot. Someone who's being drafted in a similar range. Leonard Fournette. He went from a running back being drafted in the like second to third round when he was on the Jags to being released to being picked up by the Buccaneers and being drafted in the sixth, seventh, eighth round. Um, So you were always giving up a lot of draft capital for him. I didn't hate him as a pick once he went to the Bucks in the later rounds just to take the upside shot. Didn't work out. Leonard Fournette is a do-do. And sometimes being a do-do is worse than... It doesn't matter what type of position you're in. This He's guy slow, yo. was forced into lineups. Like, a lot of people started him, and he basically never produced. He was He only produced when he wasn't in lineups because people were tired of trying to trust this guy. Uh, every time you put him in the lineup after a good game, he then shit the bed. It was just a never-ending wheel of disappointment with Leonard Fournette. The only times he was good this season were in the last two weeks, and you probably were pretty hesitant to start him, and he was buoyed by touchdowns. He's In those two games, he had 25 rushes for 83 yards. He's a do-do, and he played like a do-do all year. Leonard Fournette. Uh, the third to seventh rounder, depending on when you were drafting, is a bust. I want to give an honorable mention to our favorite bust candidate, um, Joe Mixon. Let's not forget that this guy was on the way to being the biggest bust um, in the league before he got hurt uh, and salvaged his season that way. Um he had that 25 attempt for 151 and two touchdown game against the Jaguars. But now in hindsight that we know that the Jaguars literally got run over by every single person in the league, um, it's you need to know that he he averaged 3.6 yards, including the six yards that he averaged there. Um, averaged less than three yards a carry in a whole bunch of games, including against the Eagles and Browns, who ended up being very easy to run on. 16 attempts, 17 attempts for less than 50 yards, 18 attempts attempts against the Colts for 54 yards, 19 attempts against the Chargers for 69 yards. Joe Mixon was on the path to being Joe Mixon that we knew. So honorable mention because injuries saved him from being the number one candidate of this category. There's going to be podcasts out there who discuss 
man, what would have happened if Joe Mixon never got hurt? And then he's going to be a top 15 pick again next year, and it's going to be hilarious. I hope Joe Mixon remains a top 15 pick for the for every single year I'm, I'm on a podcast because it's the easiest way for us to stand out because everyone thinks he's good for some reason. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a guarantee that he's going to suck. It's guaranteed. It's been the last three seasons. He sucks. Um, he's a good dude. <clears throat> even with ridiculous volume. <coughs> Excuse me. And there's so many people that take it personally when you say Joe Mixon is a bust. <laughs> um, yeah, one of our favorite, uh, one of our favorite, and when I say favorite, I, I mean that in a very uh, ironic and, and opposite way. One of our favorite fantasy football accounts on Twitter, who had Joe Mixon as his Twitter profile, changed his uh, Twitter profile. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, yeah, to fucking Tua. Good choice, you idiot. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, <laughs> let, let's go to my actual nominee though. It's Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin ended up as wide receiver 39 and half PPR. You drafted him in the second round. The reason why you drafted him is because he was supposed to be safe, right? This is supposed to be an upgraded this pick version. Sucks, Tim. Huh? This pick sucks. This pick sucks? Yeah, I think this is a terrible choice. You were not going to win. Why? Just let Don't him finish. And then yeah, get go on. ahead. <laughs> Chris, I mean, Chris Godwin, um, you drafted him in the second round to be your wide receiver one. He was... Had injury concerns in the beginning of the year, but I think people think Chris Godwin missed more time than he actually missed because he sucks. Um, he's not as a player, but as a fantasy entity this year, he sucked. He had only a couple games where he hit a ceiling of where he finished as a wide receiver one. Um, his highest scoring output this season was 19.3, failed to even touch 20 points. And although you say, okay, that's a pretty good week, though. Yeah, it is, but you drafted him to be your wide receiver one. And when you look around at the league and anyone else who you could have drafted at that point in the second round, um, Chris Godwin was one of those guys who uh, cost you a lot if you drafted him at the the turn. Let's say you drafted, you know, a a running back number one overall, CMC, and then because you got CMC, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do Lamar Jackson and Chris Godwin. Your team absolutely blew. You were you had thing a is, terrible team. Chris Godwin wasn't awful. He but he he wasn't yeah, awful. Averaged, sure, and there's a bust, but he wasn't the bust. He averaged 65 yards a game and scored a touchdown in five of 11 games. Like I mean, that's not good enough. Averaging 65 yards a game for what he was supposed to bring you, it was not is not good enough. Especially when you see what Mike Evans did across. Who is a but? But to call him the biggest bust, top 30 receiver, not top there, top 40 receiver. Drafted in the second round. He finishes 38. Wide receiver 38. No, I'm saying, but he was a top 30 receiver eight of 10 games that he played in. So that's not. But you say top 30, though. Like, that's supposed to mean something to me. It does. He's not the biggest bust at all. No, it means something to me if you're talking. It probably means that his points per game is higher than his overall finish. It is. If you're talking about Brandon Ayuk, then all right, that's pretty impressive. But I drafted this guy in the second round. Bust. I'm sorry. He's a bust. But he's nowhere near the biggest. We'll let the people. We'll let the people decide. We'll let the people decide. Go ahead, Jay. Terrible pick. Go ahead. Come on, Jay. Let's let's brighten the mood. Give me something better to work with, please. I already went. Oh no, I didn't. Wait, yeah, I did. This is bust. I went with Leonard Fournette. All right, Leonard Fournette. Ah, I'm gonna win this one. Let's keep the negative fest going, and let's go to now the least valuable player. Now this one is different than bust. Least valuable is a guy who you put in your lineup, 
who played most of the time, possibly, or took up a roster spot, but did nothing for you and did nothing but let you down. Let's get into least valuable player. Hey, hey, you, you suck. <laughs> Shout out to my wife for the special guest appearance. Um, the reason why I wanted my wife to do this is because she was in two fantasy leagues this year, and she was lucky enough to get the first pick overall randomly in both leagues. Both leagues. Do you know how rare that is? Do you know how rare it is that you have a chance to get Christian McCaffrey? Christian McCaffrey is my least valuable player because not only did you take him number one overall, but he kept on teasing you. He couldn't just be out. No, Matt Rule would keep him in. Matt Rule would say, hey, maybe he's coming back this week. No, maybe he's coming back this week. No, maybe he's coming back this week. No, maybe he's coming back this week. No. Over and over and over and over and over again. Over and over again, it was the same shit. And on top of that, they didn't keep him on the IR for an extended period of time after the first stint. So he took up a roster spot through waivers. So you had no choice. You could, in, in most leagues, you can't make a roster spot if you have someone who's not on IR in your IR. So you had to take him out of your IR and drop someone every week if you wanted to put him back on your IR and pick somebody up. That killed your team. That's a roster spot completely wasted. So my least valuable player is Christian McCaffrey for a bunch of reasons, but mostly it's because the promises, the false promises out of Christian McCaffrey. Least valuable player. I mean, I guess, but Christian McCaffrey played in three games and ended as the running back 50 because he put up 82 fantasy points in three games. He had more fantasy points than James White. Another reason why it's uh, he's the least valuable player because that type of production kept you coming back. It kept the you three games he played in. He certainly helped you win the damn game. Yes, for sure. And that type of production was just a little tease. Remember, this is least valuable player. It's not bust. He didn't bust. He got injured. But the fact that he just teased you every single week with this phenomenal production a year after being the fantasy MVP for sure. Man, tough. All right. I see that. I see that. But my least valuable player is someone who there I came up with this idea for the category because I was like, there is a there are players out there who were started every week no matter what, even though they let you down each week no matter what. And outside of one week, my guy here is Tyler Lockett. Oh man. This guy Big has one. been absolutely atrocious for weeks now. And because of his name, the superstar quote-unquote factor that people think about when they hear his name the connection with russell wilson the seahawks offense he's been started and ranked as a top 30 wide receiver every single week of the season and this dude had 10 games this year of single digit performances including eight of his last nine in single digits goodness gracious i mean i don't understand like I do understand why people kept playing Tyler Lockett because of the name and all that, but that's why that's why he's the least valuable player because you started him if you had him, and every single week from week 12 through week 16, he didn't score double digits, and that's when you're either trying to get into the playoffs, secure a bye, uh, win a playoff game, win your championship. He was absolutely useless, destroyed your team. You were better off starting a 
waiver wire type guy like Darnell Mooney or something. So for me, it's Tyler Lockett because he was in your lineups for better, for worse, more so for worse. And you couldn't do anything about it, really. And he was just atrocious for the majority of the year. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. At least Tyler Lockett won you a week. <laughs> one week. But one week. He was week. directly a result of winning you one week. I'll tell you this. He Two weeks. He won two weeks. He put up 33 and a half one week and then uh, 51 and a half another week. I think that's why the fall from grace was so was so surprising that people didn't want to f- believe it. It's because it came on the heels of a 44-point game. And this is kind of what he does year by year. You know, this yeah. is what he does. So, But, like, yo, he uh, had 85 points combined in those two games. 85. He had 110 points the rest of the year in 14 <sighs> games combined. Noise. That's Terrible. the most that's the most uh terrible damning stat of all. That one. Um Jason, who's your LVP? I'm sticking with the wide receivers, someone who never helped you this season. He goes by the name of Demarius Jamirius Chark Junius. DJ Chark. Um what the he fuck? started the year in PPR going 3 for 25 and a touchdown. So he gets you 12 points. He finishes just as a wide receiver three. You're like, all right, at least he found the end zone. The next week, four for 84. Again, disappointment. Wide receiver 37. All right, he maybe should stay in my lineup. And then he gets injured. Misses week three. And then week four comes back. Maybe I should start him. Maybe not. 30 fantasy points. Finally, one good week. And then you bench him. I mean, and then you start him happily. He goes three for 16. You give him one more shot, 7 for 45. Give him another shot, 1 for 26. Bench him. Next game, 7, 146, and a touchdown. But he was on your bench. Start him again, 4 for 56. Start him again, 4 for 41. And then he ends the season as wide receiver, 74, 91, 47. Don't even think about starting him championship week. He goes 462 and a touchdown to be wide receiver, 19. Literally never useful at all. You could argue that maybe in week four you started him and he came through for you. He That's did the- help me beat Tim in our home league the the week he put up 170 yards and touchdown. All right, there you go. There was one week that he was that you considered touching him. That was it. Every other week you started him, he sucked. DJ Chark is the least valuable player. I think he, I think pick. DJ Chark could have been in the bus play as well. I think that uh, you stopped playing DJ Chark after a while. I don't know, man. He 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 rolled he reeled people in. We talked about how dumb his expert consensus rankings week in and week out. He was consistently ranked as a top thirty six wide receiver. Oh boy. Um, well, you know, here at the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast, we like to be a little sick and sadistic and, and end on a bad note. But today we're leaving on the best note possible. The guy who won you your championship. The guy who was the most valuable player in fantasy. Let's get into it. Our last award of the day, fantasy MVP. You the real MVP. 
Now, this one is one of the more, you know, this is the one that all, uh, you know, anyone who writes about fantasy, anyone who does a podcast about fantasy talks about their fantasy MVP. And there's different types of definitions, just like MVP is a different definition um, for some people in regular sports. There's many ways you can look at fantasy MVP. I am going to take an approach that is less traveled. My fantasy MVP is Alvin Kamara. Now, Alvin Kamara was the number four overall pick. So you might be saying, why is he the most valuable? You kind of expected what you got out of him. No, you cannot say that because the talent around him and specifically that went before him ended up shitting the bed really hard. First pick, CMC. We all we just talked about him. We know what happened. Second pick, someone we haven't even said the name of since week two, Saquon Barkley who got injured for the season in week two. See, he's not least valuable, just to put a perspective, because he's injured, you don't have to worry about putting him in your lineup. So, another bust. Then you had Zeke, Zeke, who, he was supposed to be the safer pick. He was supposed to be the guy that you can rely on, the guy who never finishes under an RB1 in his entire career. That's the guy you were supposed to rely on. And then came Alvin Kamara. Then came the big boy, who finished Number one overall amongst all position players in fantasy this year. Alvin Kamara was an absolute beast. He's the guy that you drafted. Um, Consensus number four pick, like I said. He capped off the season in championship week by winning you a championship as well. Six touchdowns. uh, Probably got you a championship if you you rostered Kamara. He's been consistent all season. Only fell out of double digits one time all season, and that was in Taysom Hill's first game. 21 touchdowns on the heel of a season where he only had two touchdowns. He won you the championship, like I said. He came through. There's something to be said about drafting a stud to be a stud being a stud. The best way we say this, we say this a lot. Your championships are not one at your drafted. They're one at your at your uh, on the waivers, which is very very true. And it's it's one where you're moved. It's also very very true. But they're also one. The easiest way to win a championship is if the person you drafted to be a stud is a stud. That's the easiest way to win a championship. And if you drafted Alvin Kamara, he was a stud for you. Now, he had a little bit of a downfall for two games with Taysom Hill. But if you can understand that and why, you'll know that this guy was the best player in fantasy this year. Only uh, would have finished as RB2 last season um, behind Christian McCaffrey's historic season. But he put up 350 half PPR points, which is not anything to scoff at. Alvin Kamara is my fantasy MVP. Jason, who you got? I have the real answer. No, 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 bro. The one. The only. Travis Kelsey. Nice. There is no one more valuable, man. It's all about position scarcity here. And even if you don't consider position scarcity, Travis Kelsey might lead, lead the league in yards. What? He's a tight end. He scored 312 fantasy points this year. The next closest was Darren Waller, 251. Dang. The next closest, Hawkinson, 169. Kelsey outscored Hawkinson by 143 points. The difference between tight end one overall and tight end three overall. He scored twice as many points. The seventh tight end was Mike Kosicki, 149 points. That's less than half of Kelsey. So only Waller, Hawkinson, Tanya, and Thomas, and Andrews scored half of what Kelsey put up. This guy's an absolute animal. He was a he just slotted in his tight end one in rankings every single week. Nobody even questioned it. And he ended as a tight end one overall. One, two, three, four, five times. Ended as a t- 
top five tight end every single week except for two. Oh, boy. Unbelievable season. He caught 105 passes for 1,400 yards and 11 touchdowns as a tight end. God. Travis Kelsey is the MVP. Hot damn, bro. Some shit. I knew Travis Kelsey was doing great. I didn't know he realized he was doing that great. Yeah, he's a beast. (laughs) Michael, who you got? Uh, For me, I stayed with the high draft pick. Um, uh, What is it? This what we're going on here. I, I expected some later on draft picks, but we all went high draft picks, I guess because they, a few of them really stood out this year. And for me, it's Devontae Adams, who is averaging three more points per game than Tyree Kill, who's the number two wide receiver. Um, look, Devontae Adams has only played in 13 games, still the number one wide receiver on the year. Eight times of 13 games, he's been a top seven wide receiver or better. His true throw, his true target value is so high that only Diggs, Hill, and Allen come close to it. Allen Robinson's PPR true target value is lower than Devontae Adams's standard true target value, and Allen Robinson is number five on the year. Uh, Devontae Adams has just been an absolute monster week in and week out. Thirteen hundred twenty-eight yards, seventeen touchdowns. I mean, he's he's putting up video game numbers and. It doesn't like it's honestly like there's nothing else you can really say about Devontae Adams besides the dude has just been an absolute beast week in and week out, number one option. And it's no surprise that the dude who won our home league won it on the back of Devontae Adams. So he has been everything you hoped for and more if you drafted Devontae Adams this season as a set and a forget at wide receiver one every single week that he's been healthy. He's the man. True that. This is his first over season over a thousand yards. Did you know that? Isn't that Second insane? season over a thousand yards. You sure? Yeah. Second. I don't know. Because we had a bet last year whether he'd pass a thousand or not. And he passed a yep. thousand last year? This was definitely his best season ever. Yeah, without a doubt. His best season ever. And it's, and it's tough to even think about that because the dude has had so many good seasons. Oh, yeah, you're right. This is his second season. Well, he had 1,386. Wow, that's, that's way over a thousand. Um, a few years ago. Man, 13 touchdowns, 17 touchdowns this year. 17, yep. leads the league. It's Kelsey, though. 100 and, 102 yards per game for Devontae It's crazy, Adams. dude. It's I'm crazy, I'm dude. surprised no one went James Robinson here. He he didn't do much in the playoffs, man. That's true. That's true. Can't be the MVP if you don't win the championship, right? That's what that's what they tell LeBron. Um, That's it. Those are the nominees. Again, we're going to put these on Twitter for you to vote on. It's funny. We This is an hour and 18 minutes. We were like, yeah, you know, we'll do quicker episodes this summer. That's not going to happen. Um, an hour and 18 minutes of fun and joy. Thank you guys so much for for being with us all season. Stick around for the off season. We're going to keep bringing it to you. If you don't want any Week 17 advice, if you're still playing in a championship in Week 17, first of all, stop it. Second of all, if you need any advice, make sure to follow us at Brodo Fantasy. Ask us any advice, um, and we will be willing to give that to you. Uh, we're not doing a Week 17 Championship show because there's probably not many people playing. Because now, it used to be that you know it, that wasn't the default setting. But now with Sleeper being a new popular app, ESPN getting with the times, Yahoo getting with the times, CBS getting with the times, you have to really go out of your way to make a six, Week 17 Championship, and just no one's really doing that. So, um, yeah. 
So if you have any questions for this week, hit us up on Twitter at Broto Fantasy. Mike, where can they find you? At Broto FF Mike. And remember, one of the more popular episodes coming up, the bet recap episode. Oh, yes. The bet recap. We have the we have the Jeopardy episodes coming up soon. Um I love I love those Jeopardy episodes. A lot a lot of good stuff to uh to look forward to. Jason, you're up. I'm up just to no, I'm like, to Broto. say where you're at. At Broto FF Jason, speak. I said it. Did you not hear me? At Broto FF Jason. <laughs> Jason. I was just confused. You guys were talking about the year, like you, and then you asked me, I'm up. I didn't know what to say. This fucking guy. Okay, then. Um, <laughs> random random stat. Uh, you know how I said Devontae Adams' first season of over 1,000 yards was this year? Second season, I mean. Two mm-hmm. seasons. Two separate seasons he's finished with 997 receiving yards. Alvin Kamara surpassed 81 receptions this year, unfortunately. <gasps> oh, no. That, no. 2020, crazy things have happened. It has happened. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, until next time, patreon.com slash brotofantasy, brotofantasy.com. Happy New Year. Later. Happy New Year. Later.